I don't know if we finished the Christmas season on a boom or a bust. That song was... So, anyways, that's... Oh, I sounded like one of those reels you see on Facebook of that goat that's making that horrible, horrible sound. That's what I felt like, so... Especially on a full belly, but anyways... Just real quick, because I, I, I know most of you know this, but if somebody were to say, why did y'all do an afternoon service? Why didn't y'all just cancel? It's not like you got to have an afternoon service to be right with God. I want you to know I understand that. I know that we don't have to do this in order to be right with God, and, and we're independent Baptists. We can do what we want and not have to worry about you know denominations cracking down on us. I just want you to know my reasoning for this as the pastor I want to make sure that we honor the Lord as best we can while also being mindful of the fact this is a family time of year uh, for many folks. And so just trying to honor the Lord and accommodate people's schedules. So if somebody were to say, why did you all do that? You can say, well, that's what my pastor said. And uh, if they don't understand it, then, of course, that's fine. But uh, I just want you to know that's my heart behind it. I also want to say this. Uh, it's hard to be ready for Sunday school, Sunday morning, eat a quick bite, and then be ready for Sunday afternoon by way of my thought process. We're, we're not going to be here long for my sake, okay? Uh, just my brain's kind of tired, and I'm ready to go into that vegetative state. So uh, we're just going to be quick in this, uh, but hopefully this will be helpful because uh, I, I do know this. I, I've learned a little bit over the years. I know that the Christmas season is not always the most joyous time of year for everyone. And there are many different reasons for that, and I may touch on those in just a moment. But even if this is the most joyous time of year in the heart and life of an individual, I know this, it won't take long for the Christmas spirit to dissipate. It's like, yeah, we had fun, now life. All right, and so uh, that's kind of where this message is, or where, where this message is rooted in, and uh, kind of the, the thoughts behind that. So turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And let's pray, and you can continue finding your place there. Father, it is good to be in your house this afternoon. I'm thankful for the good service we had just a little bit ago. Uh, to see visitors here it was certainly a blessing and then the fellowship around the food was it was a blessing to me and i hope it was to others and lord we're thankful for this time that we have together now i pray that you'd bless the effort to uh, preach your word to bring it to your people and that it would be exactly what we need in the days to come i pray these things in jesus name amen and even as i prayed i'm reminded you don't eat chili right before you try to preach so if I make some inappropriate noise in a moment, please know it caught me off guard, all right? Just, that's, anyways, chili is not your best friend right before you preach. I want to begin this afternoon by reminding us of what I literally just spoke of a little over an hour ago. And I want to remind us that what we gave attention to was the joy that Mary and Joseph were able to know because of their decision to live in obedience to God's will for their lives. I said then, and I want to reiterate now, that if they had not chosen to be obedient to God's will, 
they would have missed out on joy that was available to them. And so, if nothing else, remember this from this morning's sermon, that obedience to God's will produces joy. If someone says, I don't believe that, if someone says that's not true, they're, of course, entitled to their opinion, but I think from a biblical perspective, a, a biblical uh, position, we could prove that obedience produces joy. While that is true, I want us to think about something in relation to Joseph and Mary that we may not always think about. I think sometimes we're guilty of having that fairy tale mentality that goes something like this, and they all lived happily ever after. I think sometimes when we read the story of Joseph and Mary, we're just going through it, it's so academic or it's so familiar to us that we don't really think about what life would have looked like for them after the birth of Christ. It wasn't just the trip to Bethlehem that was rough and difficult and the labor was rough and difficult. And then after that, everything just kind of fell in place and, and they just lived this perfect, peaceful, harmonic life. No, that, that's not how life was. And we know that for two reasons. The first reason is this, Joseph and Mary were fallen individuals, and the second reason we know that they didn't just live happily ever after is because they lived in a fallen world, all right? They, after the birth of Christ, were still fallen individuals, still living in a fallen world. So I want us to think about what this would have looked like in real life for them, Joseph and Mary. I want us to think about their struggles. I want us to think about their hardships, the things that they had to put up with, and then we'll move from there. I want us to think about this, that Joseph and Mary had relationship struggles. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not, but Joseph and Mary were not always on the same page on every issue of life. Someone says, how do you know? Because you had two people inside the same home, and you never have complete harmony with two people on every subject, on every issue of life. So you've got Joseph and Mary, and one of the things that they would have dealt with, just like anyone else in their day, was relationship issues. They had to navigate their way through the issues of life as they came upon them. Because Jesus was not their only child, they had family issues, all right? They had other children in the home, and you have to know, yes, you had one perfect child in Jesus, but the other children were not perfect. So what did they get to put up with? They got to put up with kids like other people put up with kids. So there were relationship issues that they would have had within their marriage. There were family issues, no doubt, living in their day. They had some financial issues trying to raise a family. All right, when you've got a man who would have been the sole income for the most part, uh, trying to take care of the family, there would have been times that the finances were tight, that there were struggles that existed. And then they had to put up with things like sickness, just like anyone else in their day. They had to put up with sickness. And even death was something they had to put up with or face or, or have as a part of their lives. I think some of you know this, but others of you may not have ever been really introduced to this idea. But it is believed by many scholars, based on how things played out at the death of Christ, that most likely at some point in their marriage, Joseph would have passed away, thus leaving Mary a widow. 
So if you think about this, in that 33 years of life of Joseph and Mary that we're just barely introduced to and exposed to, here's what we would have to know if we're honest at all, is that life was not perfect. They had relationship issues. They had family issues. They most likely had financial issues. They dealt with sickness. And they even had death as a part of their lives, things that they had to go through and deal with and work their way through. And, and, and that is something that has been constant for the last 2,000 years, if you're honest. See, I think if we were to sit here this morning and take just a quick survey and say something like this, how many of you married folk are ever at odds with your spouse? I think most of us would have to say, I vaguely remember a time we were not on the same page. Vaguely. Yeah, y'all aren't even going to say, no, not really, no. No, I'm perfect and they're perfect. Yeah, yeah, whatever. We know better. Just, just work with me on this. We've all had some relationship issues, right? Yeah, we've all had some relationship issues. If we've been involved in the process of raising kids, we've had some family issues, like dealing with the behavior of children. That's just part of the territory. That's just things that, that go with having kids. I think a good number of us have had some financial struggles at different times in our lives. There were some times in our lives we weren't just wallpapering the money with our extra cash, but we were just saying things like, how are we going to make the ends meet? What are we going to do? We've got to pay this bill, but this is coming due, and this is staring us in the face, and I wasn't expecting that to fall apart. Have any of us been there at any time in our lives? I think most of us have, and then a lot of us have dealt with sickness of sorts, and some have had to confront the issue of death. And so here is what we see, is like there is this, this strong sampling, so to speak, of all the issues of life that we all get to deal with to one extent or another, just like everyone else. So I can stand here this morning and I can preach to you, obedience produces joy, and it does, but the scripture would make clear that obedience does not remove us from the everyday struggles and trials of life. I know that you know this, but I'm just trying to remind us of this. Obedience does produce joy, but it does not remove the struggles we have in our marriage, with our kids, with our finances, with our health, with this issue of death, whatever it is. Every one of us have issues that we have to confront and deal with. So that being true of Joseph and Mary and it being true of us, then here's what we know. We know that it was true of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, when he got saved on the road to Damascus, what did he get in his walk with God? He got serious. The Apostle Paul did not joke around. He did not mess around in his walk with God. He got serious immediately about his walk with the Lord. Somebody says, okay, right, I understand that. All right, well, let's think about this, that while he would have known joy in his life of obedience, the Apostle Paul, like Mary and Joseph, also knew his fair share of struggles associated with his effort to walk in obedience to God. All right, the Apostle Paul was no different than anyone else. He didn't get saved, start living for the Lord, and all of a sudden, this problem was removed, and this problem was taken away, and this issue was resolved automatically. No, when Paul got saved and got serious about serving the Lord, 
He had issues just like everyone else. Were his the same as ours? Not necessarily, but he had his issues like anyone else. Now, as we think on that, let's just be reminded of this, what seems to be human nature, what seems to be a natural tendency. When we find ourselves going through difficult times, what do we sometimes struggle with? Our attitude. What do I struggle with whenever I'm going through hard times? I struggle with my attitude sometimes. And you're no different than anyone else. It is our natural sinful tendency that when life starts being hard, our attitude can be affected by it. It's in light of that that I want us to think about or give attention to what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Two little words, most of you know them, but in verse number 16, here is what Paul said. He said, rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. When Paul said to rejoice evermore, I just want to remind us of this. Paul was not suggesting that he or any child of God was supposed to be happy about the trials of life. Okay, the Apostle Paul was not suggesting that when a person and their spouse is going through a hard time, that that's supposed to be a highlight of the marriage that they're happy about. Paul was not suggesting if you were struggling with the child-rearing process that you needed to be happy and excited and and joyous about that. He wasn't saying that if the finances are tight and and life is difficult right now, that everything's just got to be happy and cheery and, and, and just full of silliness. That's not what Paul was saying. Whatever the struggle with was whatever the issue was, Paul was not saying, child of God, just be happy, just be silly, don't recognize the weight of what you're going through. That was not what Paul said, but what he was saying is this, regardless of the circumstances of life, always be rejoicing. What does it mean to rejoice evermore or to always be rejoicing? It's just this simple reminder that no matter the circumstance of life, the child of God has reason to have joy or to rejoice. It doesn't matter if the marriage is struggling, there is reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter if there are struggles in the family, there is reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter if the finances are tight, there is reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter if sickness is present, there is reason to rejoice. It doesn't matter if death has impacted a family, there is reason to rejoice. Paul was saying for the child of God, there is always a reason to rejoice. The attitude does not have to suffer. The attitude does not have to get bad. The attitude does not have to grow sour toward God. The child of God, regardless of the circumstances of life, we can rejoice evermore. But if that's the case, then that means we have to look at what we have to rejoice in. Okay, if I'm struggling, if Susie and I are going through a rough patch, I don't say, Lord, I just want to rejoice in this rough patch. 
If we've got issues going on in some other realm of life, it's not that I'm supposed to sit back and say, well, let me rejoice in this because this is obviously brought to me by God or allowed by God in my life, so I'll rejoice in this anyways. No, it's in spite of those things that I can find things to rejoice in, and it's in spite of the struggles or the situations that you go through that you can find things to rejoice in, but we have to make the choice to do it. So very quickly, in light of this command, I just want to give us a couple of things that we can rejoice in, not just in the Christmas season when that spirit may dissipate quickly, but this is something we can use in January, February, March, whenever we may need to tap into this. What do I have to rejoice in in the midst of said circumstances, whatever they are, that I don't like right now? What do I have to rejoice in? All right, these are not in any kind of an order, but you'll you'll understand where these thoughts are coming from. First of all, I can rejoice in this, that I serve a God who loves me. You may be struggling here. You may be dealing with this. You may have all different things going on. But I want to remind you this afternoon, for today, for tomorrow, for the days to come, no matter what is going on in your life, you have a God who loves you. And in light of that, you have a God who is always faithful, who always has your best interest in mind. He is not going to leave you or forsake you. So you're going through a hard time. You don't have to come to church laughing about it and being silly about it. But do you have something to rejoice in? Yes, a God who loves you. There's something like this that we can rejoice in, that we have a Savior who died for us. Let's think about this. This world is temporal. Everything we are dealing with and going through right now, it will not last forever. One day it's going to come to an end and we get to enter into eternity if we're saved with Jesus Christ. How did that happen? Because a Savior was willing to die for us. I have something to rejoice in, whether I'm with family or friends in in the vacation, not vacation, in the Christmas season of life. I have something to rejoice in that I've got a God who loves me. I've got a Savior who died for me. I've got a Holy Spirit and you've got a Holy Spirit that indwells us. That's something to rejoice in because the Holy Spirit is a comforter among many things as you and I are going through the hardships of life. We're not in this on our own. We're not sailing through life all by ourselves. No, we've got the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, serving as a source of comfort no matter what we're dealing with. How can I rejoice evermore in this situation? I've got a God who loves me. I've got a Savior who died for me. I've got a Holy Spirit that indwells me. I've got family who love me. Say, well, that's kind of like where it stops for me. It may not be totally true and as bad as you think. You may not have all the family that you want loving on you, but you've got family who cares about you and loves you and supports you. That's something that you can rejoice in. 
You've got friends that you can turn to for encouragement and strength when you need that source of encouragement and strength. And friends, don't lose sight of this. You've got a church family that you can draw from. That may not seem like much to some, but a lot of times it doesn't seem like much to some to withdraw from because they haven't invested a lot in it. But I'm telling you, if you invest in the family of God, when you need to make withdrawals from the family of God, they'll be there for you. We've got a God who loves us, a Savior who died for us, a Holy Spirit who dwells within us, a family that loves us, a family that cares for us, friends who will be there to strengthen us and encourage us. We've got a church family that we can be helped by in every issue of life. I'm just trying to remind us this afternoon, we have so much to rejoice in. In 24 to 48 hours, and 72 hours, all this will be behind us, and we'll be putting the decorations in the boxes, and we'll be moving ahead to the new year, and that's just how it works. And at some point in the very near future, if you're not dealing with it right now, there will be something come up that you don't like, and it will begin to affect the attitude. And the old flesh will say something like this, you don't have anything to be happy about, you don't have anything to rejoice in, That goes contrary to what the Word of God declares. We have much to rejoice in, and no matter what, we can rejoice evermore. It's a matter of whether or not we'll do it. And I'm just reminding us one more time, you've got something to rejoice in right now, no matter what, if you're a child of God. You've got something to rejoice in, and you can do it this holiday season if you want to. Now, if you just want to have a bad attitude and be sour and make everyone miserable, you can do that too. But that's not in obedience to the will of God for your life. And that does not help anyone. Choose to rejoice evermore. Let's all stand and we'll have a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this afternoon. It is good to be reminded We're not the first people to struggle. We're not the first people to go through a hardship. Joseph and Mary had their issues after they had or celebrated the birth of Jesus. And every saint, every child of God before them and after them have had their issues just like us. Lord, help us to be reminded today that we can rejoice if we want. We don't have to let our attitude be destroyed. I pray that you'd remind us of that as we leave and in the days to come that we would hold on to it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.